If you feel like your business is drowning in inefficiencies, it might be time to decode the problem and break it down by the numbers. Let's start with 37,000. That's the vast community of business owners who've embraced NetSuite. 25, that's the number of years that NetSuite has been revolutionizing financial workflows and accelerating success. Which brings us to one. NetSuite offers tailored solutions, all consolidated within one streamlined platform. Unlock the power of NetSuite today. Download our acclaimed KPI checklist for free. Just head to netsuite.com slash cbs. That's netsuite.com slash cbs. Tonight, we're going to begin with the sad act of laying 19 kids and two teachers to rest. The first funerals for the victims of the deadly school shooting in Uvalde happened today as anger grows over the police response to the massacre. I wake up every morning and the first thing I do is cry. A community mourns the small caskets as we remember the lives cut short one week ago. Plus the new details tonight on the investigation. We speak to angry parents as we learn the Uvalde school police had trained just months earlier on confronting an active shooter. And in the nation's capital, the new gun control measures President Biden is considering. Severe weather warning. Hurricane Agatha pounds Mexico. Could the system become a hurricane again and hit the U.S.? Plus, the path of destruction from a tornado in Minnesota, damaging dozens of homes. Clinton lawyer acquitted. Tonight, the major blow to special counsel John Durham's three-year Russia probe. Inflation and America's small businesses. Main streets boarding up, family-owned stores and restaurants forced to close. Are you afraid you might run out of business? Oh yeah, all the time, every day. Nationwide pilot shortage and what it means for your summer travel plans. The deadly alligator attack. What a Florida man was doing when police say a gator bit him. And social media used for good. How a small nonprofit used TikTok to reach thousands. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us on this Tuesday night. Tonight we want to begin with the community of Uvalde, Texas, because they begin saying goodbye to the victims of last week's horrific shooting at Robb Elementary School. Hundreds of mourners turned out for the first of 21 funerals to take place in the weeks ahead as the city tries to come to terms with what happened in their small town. The anger and anguish of parents is felt around the nation, and we're learning more about the investigation tonight, including this reversal. Police originally said the gunman got into the school after a teacher propped open a door. We're now learning that door was closed but did not lock. We also want to get right to some breaking news. CBS's Lilia Luciano is in Uvalde. And Lilia, I understand you have some new details about that school police chief who made the decision to not breach the classroom right away. What can you tell us? That's right, Nora. I just heard from the Texas Department of Public Safety that that school police chief, the man in charge of the police response, has not responded to a request by the Texas Rangers made two days ago for a follow-up interview to get some answers. That is the agency that's investigating the shooting. A silver coffin was carried into Sacred Heart Church in Uvalde today. Inside, the body of 10-year-old Amory Joe Garza. The first funeral for the 21 people killed last Tuesday at Rob Elementary School. Later tonight, Maite Rodriguez will be laid to rest. Her family said she wanted to be a marine biologist. She didn't deserve it, but I just know in that moment she was brave. 
She was telling people where to hide. 19 of the victims are to be buried in especially designed caskets, made and donated by a nearby Texas business, including 44-year-old teacher Eva Mireles, whose sister Maggie had the impossible task of picking the dress she would be buried in. That was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my life. A CrossFit enthusiast and an avid hiker, she died while trying to protect her students. I wake up every morning and the first thing I do is cry because I know that it's real. As the reality sets in, so does the anger at local law enforcement. A community which initially questioned why police waited about 75 minutes before killing the shooter is now demanding answers. There's no words for that. I don't know what to say. That's their job. Um, to protect and serve, that's their job, <clears throat> to put themselves in risk. Just two months ago, the Uvalde School District's police force, including its chief, Pete Arredondo, completed active shooter training, which states an officer's first priority is to confront the attacker. But according to state authorities, Pete Arredondo, the on-site incident commander, stopped 19 officers from immediately breaching the classroom while the children desperately called 911 for help. There are reports that 911 operators were able to relay this information to officers at the scene, but operators themselves are now receiving death threats. Um, we were getting calls from all over the country, or I'm sorry, all over the world. This 911 dispatcher asked us not to reveal her identity. I, I do understand that they're grieving and um, they want to vent, but dispatchers have gone through enough. <laughs> Residents continued paying their respects at the growing memorial today, including Oscar-winning actor Matthew McConaughey, who grew up here, and local Border Patrol agents laying a wreath after risking their lives to stop the rampage. And tonight, Governor Greg Abbott has issued a disaster declaration for the city of Uvalde that would streamline access to any resources this community will need to cope with the aftermath of this horrific tragedy. Nora. Horrific indeed. Lilia Luciano, thank you so much. Back here in Washington, President Biden is considering executive action to take on gun control, even as a bipartisan group of lawmakers met virtually in search of common ground on gun control legislation. Now, unlike previous failed attempts, this time could be different. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. Appearing with New Zealand's head of state today, President Biden discussed his meeting with the family members of victims of the Texas shooting. There's an awful lot of suffering. So much of it is... Much of it is preventable, and the devastation is, is, is amazing. The pain is familiar to Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern, whose country suffered similar grief after a mass shooting killed more than 50 people three years ago. Our uh, experience, of course, in this regard is our own, but if there is anything that we can share that would be of any value, we are here to share it. New Zealand quickly banned semi-automatic weapons after the massacre, something that's politically impossible to do in the U.S. Still, the president feels Republicans could be open to some kind of gun reform, and he plans to engage lawmakers soon, given there have been at least 19 mass shootings in the last week alone. I think things have gotten so bad that everybody's getting more rational about it. Connecticut Democrat Chris Murphy is testing that theory. He convened a small bipartisan group of lawmakers this afternoon, including Texas Republican John Cornyn. I'm willing to get uncomfortable in these conversations and support things that, you know, I, I may have been previously unwilling to support as long as Republicans are willing to 
uh, to do the same things. Under discussion, closing loopholes in the national background check system, new red flag laws allowing judges to take weapons from people considered dangerous, and more federal money for mental health programs and school security. But all 50 Senate Democrats and at least 10 Republicans need to agree if any gun reform is to pass. That's a high bar, given Minority Leader Mitch McConnell believes the problem isn't about guns. Discussing how we might be able to come together target the problem, which is mental illness and school safety. Meanwhile, in the wake of the Texas shooting and the massacre at that Buffalo grocery store near its border, Canada is now preparing sweeping legislation that would freeze handgun sales and launch a buyback program of assault-style weapons. Nora? Ed O'Keefe at the White House, thank you. Let's turn now to the severe weather that left a trail of destruction across Minnesota. At least two rare tornadoes damaged dozens of homes and buildings and knocked out power to thousands. Caroline Cummings of our CBS station WCCO has the very latest. In the town of Ferreira, a violent tornado damaged or destroyed more than 70 homes. I thought a bomb went off. I mean, the shrapnel everywhere, uh, houses gone. A path of destruction nearly half a mile wide and two miles long stretched through the town of about 160 people, which also saw large hail and heavy rain. It looks like a um, uh, combat area. Winds gusting up to 90 miles an hour knocked down trees and power lines in the area, blocking roads and slowing down first responders who had to clear a path before they could assess the extensive damage. I've never seen nothing like this, not even in your wildest dreams. I've lived here for over 33 years, and it rips your heart apart. Miraculously, after a door-to-door -door check, there were no major injuries or deaths reported. We're all volunteers, but... Uh, we're more than glad to help out our neighbors. In neighboring counties, the wind and rain took out power lines, toppled trees, and left homes and businesses destroyed. Today in Ferreira, the unimaginable cleanup is only beginning. The landscape's going to change drastically. Uh, houses need to be rebuilt. That's overwhelming. Authorities called these storms a once-in-a-decade occurrence, and cleanup in Ferreira could take months, but rebuilding could take years. Nora. Caroline Cummings, thank you. The threat of severe weather remains for much of the country, from the Great Lakes to the Southern Plains, with thunderstorms and possible tornadoes. For the forecast, let's bring in meteorologist Chris Warren from our partners at the Weather Channel. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Nora. More stormy times on the way for the Southern Plains, including more scenes like this here in Oklahoma City. Now, the possibility for some of the strong storms, if not likelihood of some strong storm stretches from Texas all the way up to the Great Lakes, damaging winds, very large hail and possible tornadoes. The future radar shows some of the heavier rain continuing into the overnight hours, which does pose a flash flood risk, and that's Severe weather threat could be going into the early morning hours. National Hurricane Center saying there's a high chance of development, something tropical possible in the Gulf of Mexico. A couple scenarios. One will take it a little bit farther south of Florida. The other one, Nora, a little bit stronger and much wetter for the Sunshine State. Chris, thank you very much. 
Let's turn now to the war in Ukraine, where a Russian airstrike hit a nitric acid tank at a chemical plant in a key eastern city. A large pink cloud could be seen rising above the city, and authorities have warned residents to remain indoors due to the toxic fumes that can be dangerous if inhaled. The White House also said today that President Biden is still considering sending rocket systems to Ukraine, but not for use beyond Ukraine's borders. All right, now to the economy, where consumer confidence dipped again this month, all because of crippling inflation and skyrocketing gas prices. President Biden told the head of the Federal Reserve today that his plans to tackle inflation include overhauling the tax code, cutting the nation's deficit, and making housing and prescription drugs more affordable. Gas prices hit another record high today, averaging 4.62 a gallon nationwide. But look at this station in downtown Los Angeles. Well, it's over $8 a gallon. CBS's Carter Evans now on the impact this is having on small businesses. Across America, main streets are boarding up. This was a bike shop for a number of years. In Pasadena, California, Cameron Seafood Restaurant was here for 40 years. What's it like now when you look and see all the weeds growing here? Well, it's kind of sad. Paul Little is Chamber of Commerce president for the city where empty storefronts are a sign of the times down this part of historic Route 66. The pandemic hammered everybody. We all got to a point where we thought, well, at least we can get back to some measure of a normal. But it's even more challenging now. Inflation has really presented a, another challenge to businesses. But how much more can they take? Well, exactly. Where is that tipping point when they finally say, I can't do this anymore? Little says the city's lost about 15 percent of its businesses since the pandemic began two years ago. Nationally, 85 percent of small businesses experienced financial challenges in the last year. And right now, optimism among those owners is at its lowest level in nearly 50 years. The biggest concern, inflation. Are you scared? Are you afraid you might run out of business? Oh, yeah, all the time, every day. Erica Gutierrez opened her Mexican heritage shop in 2020, and the city of Pasadena gave her a $10,000 grant to get by. But that money is gone, and her costs for products and shipping are skyrocketing. Are you taking a paycheck? Um, no, not yet. <laughs> How are you surviving? Um, well, off my savings and, um, you know, my family's support. And now she might have to get a second job. Right now, there's still a lot of ambiguity. I don't know when it's gonna get better. All I can do is hope and be positive. Even some large stores are closing. This Sears shut its doors last November, and that's also having an impact on small businesses because they often count on these large retailers like department stores to attract customers to the area. Nora. No doubt. Carter Evans, thank you so much. Many Americans found themselves grounded over the long Memorial Day weekend as airlines were forced to cancel thousands of flights. Several factors were to blame, including a nationwide pilot shortage. We get more on all this from CBS's Errol Barnett. For Leona Sorrell, passion for flying runs in the family. My dad was a pilot. I always liked aviation. When he passed away, I decided that I wanted to make it my goal. Sorrell has flown more than 300 hours, a fraction of the more than 1,500 she'll need to become a commercial airline pilot. The certification process can cost well above $100,000. This is a national issue. It's uh, affecting the whole domestic aviation industry. 
The past two years saw a steep decline in pilot graduations as flight schools were closed and airlines stopped hiring. Over the next decade, more than 14,000 pilot openings are projected each year. Astounding 70% of airports have less service today than they did in 2019. Rural parts of the country are suffering the most as airlines cut routes to smaller markets. There are communities across the nation that have lost all their air service. The airlines are getting creative to get pilots trained for the flight deck. United and Alaska have created their own flight schools. And Delta eliminated their four-year degree requirement, the last carrier to do so. We need roughly a thousand or so this year. The pandemic exacerbated the issue with older pilots accepting buyouts. Southwest struggled last year when weather put pilots out of place. They didn't have the staff to cover shifts, causing mass cancellations. The uh, number one priority this year, it's really basic, it is get staffed. Now, potential solutions gaining attention include raising the retirement age for pilots by two years or lowering that flight hour requirement. But it would require an act of Congress to make those updates, and pilots' unions are against these ideas anyway. So this shortage, Nora, will likely last for years to come. Yeah, but an urgent need. Errol Burnett, thank you so much. June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Police in Florida suspect a 47-year-old man was killed by an alligator while searching for frisbees in a lake near Tampa. If confirmed, it would be the first deadly gator attack in the state since 2019. There are no swimming and alligator warning signs posted near the lake, which is on a frisbee golf course. Alligator trappers are now hunting for the killer gator. Special counsel John Durham's investigation into the origins of the FBI's Trump-Russia investigation suffered a major blow today. A federal jury found Michael Sussman, a lawyer with ties to Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign, not guilty of lying to the FBI when he brought them evidence of a possible link between Donald Trump and Russia. It was the first case to go to trial in the three-year investigation. The Korean pop superstars BTS visited with President Biden today and appeared at a White House briefing. The teen heartthrob group's visit was aimed at promoting Asian inclusion and equality and addressing anti-Asian hate crimes and disinformation. There are billions of social media users worldwide, and CBS's Janet Shamlian has a story tonight about one group that's using the apps for good. Decorating is a full-time job for Nancy Dubois Canal. I think I'm going to go for this one. For almost two decades, creating rooms from gently used donations for those making a fresh start. I think we did just what she asked for. Project Home Again was growing slowly. Now it's decor time. Until the Massachusetts woman says she started posting on social media. Set of full flat sheets. Thank you so much. How much of a difference has TikTok made? Now we're giving away brand new bedding to basically almost every single client and it, you can't put a value on that. It's so uplifting to them and it just gives them so much dignity. 
Hundreds of boxes arriving each month. Generosity as far away as Australia. I think sometimes when you make a donation, you don't really know what happens to uh, whatever it is you're donating. And now it's so concrete, they can really see it. Social service agencies refer clients like Francesca Benitez. Oh, I love it. I'm so grateful. There's now a warehouse full of essentials like appliances and bedding. People are looking for good. And I think it makes people feel good. Harnessing the power of social media, turning houses into homes. Janet Shanley in CBS News, Andover, Massachusetts. There is still so much good in the world. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, how the worsening drought is turning grass lawns into a thing of the past. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in our nation's capital. It's good to be back. Good night. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey.